0: Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And we are coming to you live from the Quicken Loans studios. National mortgage lender, Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully mortgage confidently, the home. Of the Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4CBS. Tweet at us at Ken Carmen C-A-R-M-A-N. We got Vinny Bond Sr. joining us in about 40 minutes. We want to say congratulations to Tom Brady, who's now only 10 championships behind the great Ric Flair. And I have an idea for you. This idea is not going to be popular and it's probably not going to happen, but I still have a plan for the LA Lakers. The LA Lakers right now sit where? In the NBA standings at 28 and 27. As of my last look, let me get this tremendously correct. 28 and 27 and right now are 10th in the Western Conference. What I'm about to tell you is something that I just, i give me 10 minutes of your time, maybe even less than that. That's it. Because what I'm about to tell you probably ain't going to sit well at the very beginning. Do we have Termini yet? We'll get to Termini's comments here in a moment. Just stick with me here. You have until March 9th. Laker fan, you have until March 9th. Over that time, you got Philly, which is tonight. Tuesday, no, that's tomorrow, Philly. Tuesday, you have Atlanta. You have the All-Star break. The 21st, then you're at home against Houston, and then at New Orleans, at Memphis, home against New Orleans, home against Milwaukee, on the road against Phoenix, home against the Clippers, home against Denver, home against Boston. If you don't have the seventh seed or better, by March 9th, I'll give you till the 9th, so you got some time. You have officially one month even though February is a short month, you got one month. If you're not the seven seed or better until March 9th, that groin better flare up again. If you're not the seven seed or better by March 9th, by the end of that game against Boston at home, where you will have played a contender in Philly, a contender in Houston, and in, in, these are loose definitions, but go with me here. A contender in Philly, Houston, Milwaukee, Clippers get thrown in there still, Denver is a two-seed at home, and then Boston again. If you're not there, something better be tweaked with that groin with LeBron James. I want you to think about this. What hurts his legacy more? Not making the postseason or getting your ass handed to you in the first round by the Golden State Warriors. You have a team that dislikes him. You have young guys who you don't want to be around. You don't want LeVar Ball around this team anymore. You might have liked Lonzo Ball. He's a good facilitator, but has become too much of a poison. It's time to set an example and probably move Lonzo because of the father who's saying ridiculous things on FS1, who's saying ridiculous things in other forms of media. I ask you honestly, at this point, At 34 years old with LeBron, what is worse? What is worse to the legacy? Is it having that groin all of a sudden have a problem again and having to sit out the final few weeks of the season because you're not a seven seed there, or go in the first round, play Golden State, and more than likely have your ass completely handed to you in the first round of that series? If you're the seventh seed, hey, I can give you an argument. LeBron's the greatest player in the world. Still physically dominating, still physically that great. I know there was five weeks off there, but still physically the greatest player in the world. He'd have a chance, and they'd have a chance against Denver. They'd have a chance against Oklahoma City and Portland and Houston. Yes, Houston. Uh, Utah, San Antonio, and the Clippers. Absolutely, 100%. Against Golden State? <laughs> I don't know. And I had Justin Termini on just a second ago and he said, well, Ken, the the postseason runs. He's got to get to the postseason. It means, it means so much more. Hell, I'll let Justin Termini tell you himself. This was Justin Termini from SiriusXM just about 10 minutes ago. Go! his legacy is too important in regards to getting to the postseason because uh, I'll be all over him if he misses out of the postseason. I mean, Well, get that's to the you and me, but when you think about that... For not doing that, first of all, and second of all, uh-huh. LeBron, as you saw the other day with the post on Instagram, is too concerned with his overall place in history
1: uh, in regards to individual statistics. He wants to catch Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, so... It's going to be harder for him to do that if he's sitting out 10, 15 games without a a, a real injury. I don't think he wants to uh, delay his chase for Kareem and the all-time scoring list.
0: All valid points, and that's why I ring Justin on the show because we absolutely love him. He's a great guy and a great mind when it comes to the NBA. But 20 years from now, in 2039, what's going to be more important? And will you remember... The 2019 season for the LA Lakers. You won't. You won't care. It, it will be a not even a footnote in history. It's his first year with the Lakers. He said it himself. He's going to give him plenty of time. Now he he ran out of that that patience as he's prone to do in late winter. We're on the cut. We were on the precipice of February. We're talking about Anthony Davis. We're talking about other possible players here. I think he's a little sick and tired of having to carry the load already, and so he got upset about it. But since you weren't able to make a trade because you tried to strong-arm things, and Anthony Davis said he wanted out, and of course Magic Johnson can't keep his mouth shut, you upset Del Demps, and Del Demps put the boots to you. Because for the New Orleans Pelicans, they didn't cut their nose off despite their face. The players that you trade for, the players that you give them back, They're not going to be around anyway by the time New Orleans is able to build back up. So the only one who has any real skin in the game is you. And you could have tried to do it the right way and try to keep quiet, but no, you wanted to play the strong arm game and try to get Anthony Davis to flex the muscle with Rich Paul and it ended up backfiring. And so, yeah, the NBA is going to make him play. And there's always that risk of that, that injury there, which is what I'm about to get to with LeBron in a second. They're going to make him play and have him do that. And you can have a couple of games where you can monitor his minutes and then maybe something will come up. Or maybe just Anthony wants to play and it's in his best interest. Then something that you have to deal with between you and the player. But you try to do this and you weren't able to do it. So this season already is a wash, especially if you get the 8th seed. If you're not seven seed or better... By the time March 9th comes around with the other teams that you were to have coming up, after you would still have Milwaukee, you would have Utah twice, you would have be at Oklahoma City, you'd take on Golden State at home, you'd be against the Clippers still in the building, and of course you take on Portland over that time. If you're not the 7th seed by some of the teams that you play, New Orleans twice, at Memphis, at Phoenix, hell, I could beat, Memphis, or I could beat Phoenix with a CYO team. I probably could beat Memphis by that time. Nah, you know what? I, I want to give Mike Connolly a little bit more credit than that. You could beat Memphis with a decent college basketball team. Making jokes here. If you can't get to the seventh seed by then, don't make the playoffs. Don't waste your time. Because what's honestly, what's going to be much more of a detriment to LeBron James? He's got eight straight finals. He's got no chance, though, for the MVP. That'll come to an end. You have a group of marginal to not-so-great players who, again, they don't like him. So I have to ask you, what's the backside of this? Is it more embarrassing for him to go into the first round and get his ass completely walloped by Golden State or to miss the playoffs altogether because, oh, my God, my groin. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Hey, hey. Woo. Oh, the groin ain't feeling good. Hamstrings, groins, whatever it might be, shut him down. And you can also do it, and I know this isn't a legal thing, you could also just say, hey, it's old age. Which LeBron would you rather have? If we're talking about stats and building those stats up, which LeBron would you rather have? 34-year-old LeBron who will save himself another month of the season, save himself some grind in the postseason, and I could even make an argument with the seventh seed if they really wanted to do this, have more games added to his career where he could help out his own stance because he's 6,000 points short of the all-time NBA record. He could help out his own standing, but will still get his ass handed to him by the Golden State Warriors at some point in the postseason. Would you rather have that, or would you rather than go to this offseason, have a chance at Anthony Davis, have a chance at Kyrie Irving, have a chance at Kevin Durant, have a chance at these guys, and then come back and dominate, be able to facilitate, be able to score, have them be able to facilitate to you. Would you rather have that, or would you rather be an eight seed and go embarrass yourself against Golden State? Because what Justin pointed out is he said, yeah, guys like me will kill him, meaning me and, me and Justin. Yeah, you're right. We'll kill him. We're talking heads, guys on the radio. We will absolutely slander him and kill him and say how he's getting old and times are a-changing in the NBA, and he'll only use that as motivation for the next year, and honestly, we'll kill him anyway, won't we? they lose to Golden State in the first round, if they get swept by Golden State in the first round, you think any of us are going to give a damn about anything that LeBron has had to go through with the L.A. Lakers this year? Him and Magic and Rob Palenka? No one's going to give a damn about any of that. So I ask you, 855-2124-CBS, I'll set it up for anybody. I don't care. What is the advantage? If you get less than the seventh overall seed in that West and you don't have a clear-cut vision where you can avoid Golden State for at least that first round and get yourself into the finals or get yourself to the Western Conference Finals. What's more of an advantage to you? Take years off LeBron, take more miles off LeBron, I should say, Give yourself less of a chance to have a fully healthy LeBron to be able to help a Kevin Durant or an Anthony Davis in a year and a half or a Kyrie Irving to help those guys around him or go out and embarrass yourself. It's not that hard of a question. LeBron will get the 6,000 points. You elongate his career. So he misses the postseason. It is not going to be a killer to his legacy. I don't think, and people will say this, but I don't think in 20 years it'll actually matter. Well, you know, LeBron isn't as good as Michael Jordan because of the 2018-2019 season with the Lakers. They'll find other reasons to say he's not as good as Jordan, and that might be one little footnote during a very strong argument, but that ain't going to be the overall argument. He's made eight straight finals. He's got no real shot at the MVP this year, though. He's got a team that is basically turning a mutiny on him. What's the advantage? He's already had a groin injury that's kept him out about a month. If you can't with that schedule, Philly Atlanta all- star break, Houston, New Orleans, and he has to stay there by the all star break I mean you are the major player there, Houston, New Orleans Memphis, New Orleans Milwaukee, Phoenix, Clippers, Denver, Boston, March 9th, you ain't the you ain't the seventh seed done, shut him down that groin worked up again, we'll see it for the 2019 fall by that time, you'll still be able to bring guys around, they know the business of it, they'll take care of it if if this is a player's lead the way it is. They will certainly understand it, and you as an organization will be better off for it. I know. I'll be called every name in the book, but if you actually break it down to here and what I've written it down on paper, ain't that bad of an idea. Eight five five two one two four cbs eight five five to get to some of those calls and five burning questions coming up next on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carman Show on CBS Sports Radio.
1: All right, Tom. Let me have it, buddy. Five burning questions. All right, Ken, let's get into it. You had a little debate on your local show this week about Julian Edelman's Hall of Fame prospects, which I think is kind of interesting. And now with Ty Law getting in, who retired from the Patriots, at least left the Patriots in 2004. Since then, basically Gronk and Brady are the only real Hall of Fame candidates from this incredible stretch of dominance. What does that say about the dynasty, and do you think Julian Edelman is potentially a Hall of Famer?
0: Uh, No, I don't. I I don't think that he's there. I think that he's had a good career. I think he's shown up in some big moments. Now, if he's 32, so if we're talking three more times out, which he could go to the Super Bowl three more times with Tom Brady, if he continues to make good plays, and I think we need to reevaluate it every year. But it's the same reason why we talk about Lynn Swan. I think over time it's going to help him because – we didn't see Lynn Swan in real life the way that we talk about Lynn Swan now. So we remember Lynn Swan for the moments. So that's how Lynn Swan got into the Hall of Fame recently. We may someday remember Julian Edelman for the moments. But if you look at the position that he plays, the the wide receivers who are not in, the wide receivers who will have statistically way better numbers than he has, I mean, not even close. And you look at, like, Reggie Langhorn has more yards than he has. So you better come up with some incredible moments, again, next year and the year after to give yourself a better argument for it. He's not a Hall of Famer, but because of two things, one, those moments like we said, and the other one, a Patriot push, it could someday make him a Hall of Famer. Because if you look back on this dynasty, Ty Law just got in, and I think it's two separate dynasties cut up over the time. Now, people might disagree, but you went 10 years without winning a Super Bowl in between. I think it's two separate dynasties in between. The first one, Ty Laws, a part of that first one. Is Willie McGinnis a part of that? What do you think, Tom? Yeah, I think so. I think that You think he's a Hall of Famer?
1: Um, that's borderline. Because that's what I'm saying. No, he's a part, I don't he's think a, so.
0: Okay, he's a part of the... He's a part of that dynasty. I mean, he won three Super Bowls with him. But I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. So you go back to that era, who are the other Hall of Famers? I think, if anything, it makes Tom Brady that much more prolific, doesn't it? Look at the eighty. look at the 80s, 49ers. How many Hall of Famers are of that group? You got some great players in there. You look at the early 2000s to late 2000s New England Patriots. Gronk surefire. Ty Law's already going in. Who else? Who am I missing here? Tom, there's got to be another one in there I'm missing. Somewhere in there. Ronnie nice. Harrison, is that, is that the conversation?
1: Yes. Would, would, he, would he go in as one? Would he go in as a Patriot? Like, i got to be missing Maybe. somebody. I don't think so. I've been thinking about it, and I'll keep thinking about it. I don't think so. I think that's Lawyer
0: Malloy, it. a Hall of Famer? Like He's not a Hall no. of Famer. Uh, Ronnie Harrison's not a Hall of Famer. No. And you can, man. He won his two Super Bowls. He didn't win them with the Chargers, so I think it's it's I think it's pretty incredible when you think about the guys who aren't in the Hall of Fame that he's played with. But he is definitely the most prolific passer in NFL history. So that credit goes to him. Bill Belichick's in the Hall of Fame. We're going to go in the Hall of Fame, obviously. Other than that he doesn't seem to be a whole lot of greatness around him.
1: Seems that he makes other ones great. Next. After the Panthers and Texans play games in London this coming NFL season, there will only be one franchise left that hasn't played across the pond, and that franchise is the Green Bay Packers. They don't see themselves as lucky, though. In fact, Aaron Rodgers is supposedly unhappy with this, and he wants the league to intervene in the schedule to get Green Bay a game this year, or at least as soon as possible, and apparently team president Mark Murphy backs him up and feels the same way. So why, Ken, do you think there is so much interest from the Packers in playing an incredibly inconvenient Boy. regular season game in London? I have no idea. Maybe they want
0: to—well, is it coming up this year? Maybe they feel—he's 35. Go with me on this. That roster is going to have to go through some transition here this offseason— Do they wonder whether or not they have a great chance and maybe the next year they'd have to go and then be inconvenienced the next year during that time?
1: Ooh, that's interesting. I like that.
0: Because you got to play the long game here. You got a new head coach, but you got some players, you got some guys who are getting a little bit long in the tooth over there. And so now the guys that are helping out Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have to flip some of those guys around, put younger players in there, get an influx going, help out your own cause. You'd probably rather do it this year, get it over with, than have to do it next year when you think probably in the 2020 season you'd have your best chance to really go to make one final great run with Aaron Rodgers. So I would say I'd rather get it out of the way now. Next.
1: I like that idea. Okay, so some viral footage of, NFL MVP Patrick Mahomes playing pickup basketball circulated earlier this week. Uh, many people saw it, including Chiefs general manager Brett Veach, who promptly called up his agent Lee Steinberg and banned him <laughs> from playing pickup basketball. Is that okay, Ken? Should Patrick Mahomes be banned from playing pickup yep. basketball?
0: Yep. If it's the first thing that you think of is a guy getting hurt, like you can be hurt doing that activity, you got to stop him from playing that activity. It's a major investment, and I think Chiefs fans got to be behind it. I know that we love to be – we want to be called out by players and be best friends with players and say that, oh, this is all good. You, you want your team to win. And if Patrick Mahomes hurt himself on a basketball court, I think Chiefs fans would be sick to their stomach. So I'd rather it – like accidents happen. John Wall fell down the steps. He slipped and fell. And that ended a season. And that ends the season for 12 full months. That sucks. That's an accident. Jeff Kent allegedly got hurt washing his truck. Allegedly. Uh, there are certain things that happen that you can't stop in life. But if the first thing I think about, like if I looked at Baker Mayfield, you know, Baker Mayfield really likes to play lawn darts. He has a passion for jarts. So he, when he relaxes, some people relax by playing tonk. Some people relax by playing skip bow. The other ones, like Baker Mayfield, he relaxes by playing lawn darts. You, you can't play lawn darts. It's an inherently dangerous thing. I don't think that you should be on any side. You're a Jets fan, right, Tom? Unfortunately, yes. Sam Darnold likes to relax by catching bullets with his teeth. <laughs> He's been doing it for his entire year. He's caught all types of bullets with his teeth. Yeah, I don't like that You one. want to deprive him of catching bullets with his teeth? I, w- I would, yeah. Exactly. So these are obviously crazy scenarios here. If If you can be hurt playing pickup basketball, which you can, Uh, I'd say no, I'm sorry. you got to wait until you're done with your career. They need you too much. It's too much of an investment. You do have teammates. Whether or not you – it's professional sports, so it's a little bit different in that case. But you have a lot of people who are counting on you for their happiness. Uh, I'd say stop playing basketball. And that goes for every one of those guys playing basketball because we had that conversation just yesterday. Miles Garrett, leading player for the Cleveland Browns, has said, nope, stop playing basketball. I wish – you can't tell a guy like that to stop. I don't even know if it's in his contract. I wish he wouldn't play basketball. Next
1: Well, the NBA trade deadline was a highly entertaining melodrama this week. Rumors flying, major stars involved, near misses, and a couple of significant trades, including the number one overall pick of, oh, what, 19 months ago, Markel Mm -hmm. Fultz being abandoned by the Sixers. So has the NBA usurped uh, Major League Baseball as perhaps the king of the trade deadlines in professional sports?
0: Oh, God, 100%, right? Right? Baseball needs to have a strong trade deadline. The waiver trades, I think it throws it off way too much. And it kind of takes the fun out of the trade deadline. If you have a strong trade deadline and it's like a pencils down moment like they have in the NBA, I think that's way more fun. I think Major League Baseball needs to adopt that. And part of the off season and part of the fun is free agency. I don't know what baseball is doing with Manny Machado and with Bryce Harper. How many days away are we from pitchers and catchers right now? Get these guys on a team. This takes all the fun out of all this stuff.
1: Next. All right, your hometown of Cleveland is up in arms after news broke yesterday that Francisco Lindor is battling a calf strain and may not be healthy for opening day. This comes at the end of a tense offseason which the team was trying to trade ace Corey Kluber as well as possibly Trevor Bauer, but didn't. Is there a reason, Ken, to doubt Cleveland's status as the clear preseason AL Central favorites?
0: Um, No. That's the problem I think fans are having, is that you're trying to please two masters. I don't think that the front office believes that they can compete with Boston and with Houston and with the Yankees in the postseason. So they don't want to make those moves. Plus, I I wonder if they paid some money, and they might be a little bit strapped for cash right now. Uh, But I think that they won. They don't think that they can compete with those teams. The other thing is, you're playing in such a terrible division. You're picked to win the division. You're picked by what? The baseball prospectus, they picked them to win 96 games this year. So you're in a bad spot. And I think a couple of other teams did it this way. And when you're trying to please two people or two sides, you're not going to make anybody happy. And I think that's what the Indians are going through right now. It's a very delicate situation with all of them. Is that five burning questions? That's been five burning questions. Oh, that burned. You need some salt for that. Coming up here in a little bit, we'll talk a little bit more Rams. We'll talk a little bit more NFL and... If you're a Laker fan, March 9th should be the day. Mark that date on your calendar for you and LeBron and shutting him down for the rest of the 2019 campaign. Coming up next, we'll talk NFL, we'll talk Rams. Vinny Senior will join us from the Athletic. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855 212 cbs That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. And you know something, it's brought to you by GEICO. There's great news, and I'm sure you might have heard it already, but let me tell you again. You'd save some serious money when you go to Geico. You go to geico.com, 15 minutes, that's all. It's 15 minutes. You'd save 15% or more on car insurance. Do it at 1 p.m. Eastern. Don't do it now. Because you need to be hanging on Vinny's every word or you're going to be lost. Rams went into Super Bowl 53. They had high hopes. They still could go to Super Bowl 54. To talk about it, we'll welcome in Vinny senior. He is the Rams and NFL writer for The Athletic. NFL insider for LA's AM570 Sports. Follow him on Twitter at Vinny Senior Vinny, thanks for joining us this, I should say, this afternoon now. Morning to you. Thanks for joining us today, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. First off, Vinny, have we been too hard on Sean McVay since the loss to Bill Belichick? It wasn't like he lost to Hugh Jackson in week four.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's equal parts uh, blame for, um, you know, for Sean McVay, the offensive line. Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, but also um, a major tip of the hat to the Patriots and to their defensive coordinator, basically uh, Bill Belichick and, and Coach Flores, who put together a heck of a game plan against the Rams. And ironically, you know, Wade Phillips did the same thing to the Patriots. Uh, they just happened to make a couple of plays late in that game that changed the outcome or, or that or that you know sealed the outcome. And the Rams, unfortunately for them, couldn't make those plays, and there were plays to be made in those critical moments in the fourth quarter, um, that the Patriots made, and that the Rams didn't. So um, he, I, I think maybe there is a little bit of overboard going on with, with Sean McVay. I mean, this is—I think he'll get it figured out if he's in a similar position. He'll have some, you know, some some answers to some some questions that they just didn't have the answer to. But you know, I, I, as I watched that game a couple of times. It wasn't like the Patriots were doing much better offensively. So yeah. there was, for whatever reason, that turned out to be a defensive chess game um, that the Patriots figured out a path late in the game when it mattered most to get that victory. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a devastating loss for the Rams. There's no question. They, there's, If you would have told them that they would have given up 13 points to the Patriots, they would have already announced a, a, a parade somewhere in downtown Los Angeles <laughs> ahead of that game because that was the recipe that they knew that they would need to win this game, they felt like they were going to be able to score some points against the Patriots. Thirteen defensively, they would have taken that any day of the week.
0: Because how old is Sean McVay? Uh, Sean McVay, Vinny, thirty-two. He's thirty-two.
2: Yeah, he's he's uh, I, yes,
0: exactly. I, so I, I really do think I think there were some people who really resented him. And now that you had this moment where he loses to the legend of legends in in Bill Belichick, well, now all of a sudden he can't coach his way out of a paper bag, and it was such a horrible game plan. And what was he doing with Todd Todd Gurley? I'm thinking, okay, it's a Super Bowl, so everything is blown up. But let's still give credit where credit's due because I got to tell you, I, I wonder about Jared Goff and his ability to diagnose at the line, change at the line where I've seen Sean McVay over the last couple of years where Sean McVay has really had to have a strong arm on that offense. And when you're playing a defense like New England, that can be a problem because if they change things up, they can get the Jared Goff, unlike some other younger quarterbacks in the NFL.
2: A couple things. If, if, you're, if you have a problem with Sean McVay um, or there's resentment towards Sean McVay, you've got the problem. The problem is on you. It's not yes. on Sean McVay. I've been doing this a long time. He's as genuine as a get. As a get. He's going to go down as one of the all-time greats. I've told him that, and I've worked with everyone from Pat Riley to Phil Jackson to Pete Carroll, every great coach that has come through Los Angeles over the last twenty-some odd years. Um, I've been able to work with, and there's there's traits there, and there's a genuineness there. So if, if anyone has any resentment toward him, man, they better look at themselves in the mirror because there's something wrong with that person. Uh, I'll just say that right off the bat. Yes. Secondly, as far you know, you look at Jared Goff's performance, and he was under duress so much in that game and that's the way you get that's the way you get at most quarterbacks that's why tom brady had didn't have the greatest game either because the rams were able to get at him um you know often they didn't need necessarily the sacks i mean he did get sacked jared did get sacked four times but more than that it was just making life difficult for him and that's how you beat quarterbacks like jared goff and tom brady these guys that are such precision quarterbacks that can see the field uh, when given time but when they're under duress and Jared absolutely uh, needs to learn from this and get better from this. That's how you get at him, and that's what the Patriots did, and they were able to get at them with their pretty much their base defensive line and then drop coverage back in his own coverage to uh, pretty much saturate um, the second level. So it was difficult. It made life difficult for Jared. They got the best of him in that game. I think that he's going to get better um, and mature from that loss and figure out different ways and be better against his own defense and be better against, you know, against pressure. But certainly at that point in his career, um, he just wasn't able to, to get over that hump against a great Patriots defensive game plan and
0: execution. It, how's Todd Gurley? Is he hurt more than what we think he is?
2: I, I've been saying that he's a hundred percent of the 80% he probably is. And, um, you know, I think that there was any question that he was going to come back after missing two games and then two weeks, Basically sitting out, you know, during the bye week period of the, of the first round of the playoffs, um, something happened, and he was never quite the same after, you know, tweaking that knee. I believe it was in the Philadelphia Eagles game. Um, he was good enough, you know, to, to get 115 yards and a touchdown against the Cowboys, but even in that game, it was limited touches. I think he had 17 in that game, less than CJ Anderson. So there was obviously something physically going on with with uh, with, with Todd that. You know, uh, didn't allow him to be the back that he's been pretty much all year and carry the load. So they had to share it. Um, I think in the Saints game, I think in the Saints game, he just for whatever reason he wasn't mentally into it uh, the first part of that game, and they had to move on quickly because they were trying to win a game to get to the Super Bowl, and you can't wait on guys um, that are struggling to to start out a game. I don't think that it was an injury related issue uh, against the Patriots. I just really think that the flow of the game and what the Patriots were able to do, especially on early downs, to force the Rams into situations where they had to throw it rather than run it to you know, on second and longs rather than second and manageables, the, the course of that game Took him out of the game, and um, so I think he was good enough to play. I don't think he was hundred percent, and we saw that. Uh, but he was good enough to—he was healthy enough to be out there. It's just the way that game went Sunday against the Patriots.
0: Vinny Sr. joining us on the show. So, what are some of the tough decisions that they have to make personnel-wise as they try to get back in 2019?
2: Well, they've got a slew of free agents. You know, and Sue is a free agent. Lamarcus Joyner is a free agent. Dante Fowler Jr. is a free agent. Roger Saffold is a is a free agent. These are all unrestricted free agents. There are backups that are unrestricted free agents. So they're going to have money. Um, you know, they're right middle in the pack in in terms of salary cap. But there's guys on their own team that they have to make decisions on. Do you bring Sue back? You know, during the regular season, he probably wasn't worth the 14 million dollars uh, that they gave him. But mm-hmm. in the playoffs, he was absolutely worth it. And I think that. His performance in the postseason has given them another way of looking at this, and maybe trying to figure something out to bring him back. Probably not at 14 million dollars if it goes if it if it works out between him and them, but maybe give him an extra year for security purposes to drop down the yearly annual rate, and uh, you know, and and also ensure that he's got some security. I think Lamarcus Joyner is probably uh, gone, uh, so they're going to have to figure out something at safety. And they have to get some bursts off the edge. Dante Feller Jr. gave them a little bit of that after getting traded, uh, but they need more of it, whether it's him and a combination of him and somebody else in free agency or the draft, the critical area that they're going to have to address. And you go over to offensive line and Saffold would be a huge loss. We still don't know where Andrew Whitworth is going to fall on this. Um, You know, There's been some talk that maybe he's contemplating Walking away from the game, he is 37 years old. If he yeah. does, and that's a huge, and Roger Saffold leaves as a free agent, that's a huge hole on the left side of the line that they're going to have to address. So, no rest for the weary, no no time to lick your wounds and 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 wallow in the in the mire. Uh, you have to get back after it, and that's what the Rams are doing as we speak. So, a lot of questions for them in
0: this offseason. Vinny Bon Senior, with us from the Athletic in L.A. Are you a believer in Jimmy Garoppolo?
2: Yeah, I think that um, you know I. It's hard to say that he's worth the money that the, the, the 49ers gave him. They were in a position where they basically had to, um, mm-hmm. to, to do that. Uh, I think he's, he's going to change, obviously, where the 49ers are, and I could see the 49ers being a thorn in the Rams' side as a result. How good he is, I still think that that remains to be seen over the course of a 16-game schedule. We just haven't seen it yet, uh, and until we do, there are always going to be
0: questions. Well, then how tough is that division going to be? Because the Seahawks will be better and be able to help out Russell Wilson a little bit more. I think he overachieved with them. Uh, the 49ers, they'll have him back. And then obviously, I don't think the Rams are really going to miss a beat this year.
2: Yeah, uh, and I agree with you. and Which is why, you know going into this season, I'm not sure anyone really thought 13-3 uh, was, was all that realistic, given how the 49ers had improved and and I know that maybe nationally people were sleeping a little bit on the on the Seahawks but you know Pete got that thing headed back in the right direction kind of overnight you know with some changes that he made and the Rams saw them early on in the season and I remember leaving Seattle going that's a playoff team right there I know that the Rams went in there and beat them but it was a tough slug slugfest it was a the kind of team that Pete Carroll sort of hangs his hat on and I don't expect them to be anything but better next year so 13 and 3 that's gonna be a tall order against a better uh and improved division. So the the Rams are gonna to have to, to navigate that um, you know, in their division. But there's every reason to believe that they'll be back in position to you know, to, to maybe punch another ticket to the Super Bowl. They just have to find those inches um that they couldn't find on Sunday so that if they do get back there they're going to, you know, it'll be a favorable outcome rather than the devastating outcome that it was on Sunday.
0: I only have a little bit of time left, but i got to ask you this. You know, when you said at the beginning of the interview, you said he's going to go down as one of the greatest of all time, talking about Sean Mm -hmm. McVay. How dangerous is he because there's only one Sean McVay, but I've heard multiple fan bases when they were looking for coaches this year, I want the next Sean McVay, including where Zach Taylor had to say, listen, I'm not Sean McVay, I'm Zach Taylor. You have to understand that. How dangerous is that guy?
2: Yeah. I mean, um, and, 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 you know, I, I wish the best for Zach and, and, and Matt up in green Bay. Um, and I think that I think they'll be fine, uh, but there is only, you know, there's only one bill Belichick and I'm not putting Sean McVay in, into that category just yet at all. But, you know, when you try to replicate somebody you're, you're, you're chasing ghosts in a lot of ways because they're, everyone's unique and, and there's only one Sean McVay and there's characteristics, of his that go beyond just the X's and O's that are every bit as important to the Rams success as those X's and O's. So it's how he, how he connects with people and the culture that he believes in and, and, you know, sells to his players and they buy willingly. Uh, there's a lot that's going on there. His, His personnel decisions, um, that, that go beyond just that, you know, putting together a game plan, a great game plan or a great offense. So, um, you know, hopefully for for the Bengals uh, case and the and the Packers case, they found you know somewhat similar, Sean McVay's. But to to find the next one, that's going to be really really hard.
0: Vinny, we thank you for the good time. All the best, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. I hope. Absolutely. Likewise. Have a have a great offseason. You too, Vinny Bon Senior, joining us on the show. Rams and NFL writer for the Athletic, NFL Insider for the LA's AM Five Seventy Sports. Find him on Twitter, Twitter at Vinny Bond Senior. I, I have to say this. And I brought this up again during the coaching searches. He's the most dangerous guy in the NFL. And some people resent him. I'm going to get into that next. But all the the whole month of January, want the next Sean McVay. Teams were firing their coaches, Green Bay, Cleveland. We want the next Sean McVay. Yeah, I'll bring up the trends if you want me to again. You look at what some of the trends were. Where three years ago, they wanted defensive coaches. Two years ago, they wanted offensive coaches. Last year, after what Sean McVay was doing, they want younger coaches now. So we want 31-year-old wonderkins there. It's very, very difficult. And you look over that case. Coaches, shelving lives, head coaches, it's three years. And they still need quarterbacks. They still need talent. People in Miami, oh, we love Brian Flores. Yeah, you might love Brian Flores. If you don't give him talent, And judging by what Roto World wrote just the other day, it kind of scares the hell out of me because if you're thinking tank, then you're just going to use Brian Flores as some sort of a scapegoat. He'll be out on his ass in two years, and you'll go with somebody else. So there's such a thing as good coaches who just don't have enough talent, and they have to take these jobs. Will Brian Flores get another opportunity like this? Maybe, maybe not. But he has to take that job because it's in Miami. If The ownership will give him what he needs, except for the ownership can be kind of crazy down there. But you still need to get your quarterback situation figured out. So we want these guys, but we don't want to give them that talent. And then we want to blame it on them. But I want the next Sean McVay. I want the next Dan Quinn. I want the next so-and-so. You need to find a guy who has the right fit. And they can come from anywhere. So if they fit with your team, if that team has some sort of a talent, that guy's going to look like a genius. Sean McVay is a good coach. He's a talented young – that's one of the words there – young, good offensive mind that got beaten in the Super Bowl by Bill Belichick. It wasn't Hugh Jackson early in the season. It was Bill Belichick. And there's a lot of ball busting going on with Sean McVay that I think honestly – it's just been some people who've been waiting to go after Sean McVay who never had a chance, and now they feel that this is their time to strike. 855-212-4CBS. Coming up next, the Rams should make you ask more of your franchise. I'll explain. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.